Good morning, church. Today we continue our series on why making sense of God's will. Last week we talked about how we handle when it seems like our prayers go unanswered. And today we're talking about why is it so difficult for us to see God's will for our life. So there was once a farmer, and he was laying outside, and he was praying, and he was asking God to show him his plan for his life, and he was looking up at the sky, and all of a sudden he saw two clouds, and they turned into the letters P-C. And he knew immediately, he jumped up and he said, this is telling me to preach Christ. So he shut down his farm, grabbed a Bible, and he went out and he started preaching Christ. The problem was, he was a terrible preacher and had no idea what he was doing. And so within a year, he had come back. And all of his friends asked him, so what happened? He said, well, I thought the PC meant preach Christ, but apparently it meant plant corn. <laughs> this is a funny little story that shows us that understanding God's will for our life can be a little bit difficult from time to time. Sometimes we think we're doing what God asks us to do, and maybe it's not. And, and I think we need to look at, at the question of, of what is God's will. Now, some people will tell you that God has predetermined everything about our world, right? There's no move that is made. There's no action that happens that's not within God's perfect plan. Now, I personally don't agree with that because... First of all, I don't really think it's biblical. If we look at the Adam and Eve story, it's very clear that, that God did not, it was not in God's will from them to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was okay for them to eat from the tree of life, but not from the knowledge of good and evil. And so why would God set it up in this way of, of these two trees if God was going to de- decide for Adam and Eve that they should go and sin and fall away from God? It just, it just doesn't make sense. And it also doesn't make sense if we believe God is a good and loving God, that the way that God would have programmed the world, if we don't have free will and free choice, that it would be so messed up, right? Like if, if God is going to remove free choice and free will from the equation, earth should already be heaven. But for whatever reason, the, way our, the reason our world is the way it is, is because we have free will. We have free choice and we can choose to sin. So I don't think that is God's will. I don't think God programs every single moment, some master puppeteer in the sky controlling every move of everybody in the world. That just, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Other people will say that, that God's plan for you is very specific, right? Uh, it's, it's much set in stone. God had a plan for your life, and you, you either follow it or you don't. But I don't really think that makes a lot of sense either because we make a lot of choices. What if God wanted me to turn right and go to the donut store down there and I turn left and I go to Monster Donuts and all of a sudden I've messed up God's plan for my life and now I, I don't know whose plan I'm, I'm following, maybe my own. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. So we're going to really dig into this today and talk about how God's will for our life interacts with our free choice in our life. And we're going to learn that, that God's will is prescriptive, kind of like a prescription. He gives us guidance in how we should live, but it's also collaborative in that God allows us some free choice and some reign in our life. And we'll talk about a little bit of, of how we can discern that will day in and day out for our life. Because if we do, we can live the kind of life that God wants for us. If we can discern in each moment and every day and every action, and then also the course of our life, and we're going to live fruitful and awesome lives. And so our scripture today comes from Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 9. Actually, in verse 8, he said, uh, he's writing to the, to the church at Colossae, and uh, the, very, the previous verse says, he informed us of your love because of, uh, in the Spirit. This is what Paul says. 
Because of this, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking for you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So as soon as he heard of it, they got on their knees and they began to pray. One of the most important things as we talk about God's will for our life is we have to realize that if we want to know what God's will for our life is, we have to pray. And we have to pray for each other, we have to pray with each other, and we need to pray for our church. We need to pray for each other in the church. We pray for people in our life groups. And we need to pray for those that God has put in our life. You know those people. We all have people in our life where like, I just feel like I'm on a mission to this person to show them God's love. And we pray for them. And we pray that God shows up for them. And to be prayed with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is really important because there were a lot of false teachers teaching things that were not of the gospel. And I think this is so true today. There are so many people trying to co-opt the Christian message and tell us what it is. We, as the church, in connection through the power of the Holy Spirit and listening to Christ and reading our scripture, in community with one another and with other churches, decide what God's will is for our life. Not media pundits, not people on TV, not famous preachers, not politicians. You and I, in the body of Christ, live out God's will. And we need to spend time in prayer and scripture and with one another to know that. This is what he goes on to say. We are praying this so you can live lives that are worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him in every way, by producing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God by being strengthened through his glorious might so that you endure everything and have patience. And by giving thanks with joy to the Father, he made it so that you could take part in the inheritance and the light granted to God's holy people. He rescued us up from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves, and he set us free through the son and forgave our sins. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing unto you, O Lord. Amen. This is such a powerful scripture. What is it in this scripture that Paul says that God's will is, is for us to live lives worthy of the Lord? You know, in my email tagline, you probably never noticed, but if you look down at the bottom, I quote a similar scripture from Philippians that we are called to live lives worthy of the gospel that you have received. What is God's will for your life? You need to live as if you're bearing fruit. Now, we know, like, you you can't grow an orange from an apple tree, right? Or maybe through some magic of science, you might be able to. But anyways, I, I digress. But you can't grow one fruit from another tree, A tree can only produce the fruit that it is made to produce. And what Paul is telling us is if that we follow Christ, we will produce good fruit. Maybe it's the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Or maybe it's how we love one another, the kindness that we show one another. But our lives should produce good fruit. So what does it mean to live worthy? Are you producing fruit in your life? Do people know that you follow Christ simply because of the way you treat others? Do people know who you follow? Do people know what you stand for? Would they know even if you didn't say anything? We're called to live lives worthy. But we're able to do this because of the inheritance that we have received. Now, Paul in Ephesians tells us that one part of that inheritance, a down payment of that inheritance, is the Holy Spirit. So you and I have the Holy Spirit 
in our lives. And as we talk about God's will and what we do, we need to know that it is the Holy Spirit that is so important and vital in this. Because so often it is a little nudge by the Holy Spirit. A little, hey, go this way. Hey, David, stop and talk to that person. Hey, David, send a text message. Hey, David, stay here and listen and wait. So we need to have access to the Holy Spirit that God has given us. So as we talk about what is God's will, the first thing is that it is prescriptive. Much like a prescription, God has designed the world and have specific ways for us to live in it. Now we have the whole Old Testament, right? And we have the law and we have the Ten Commandments. And each of those were for the Jewish people to guide them so they would know what to do and what not to do. How to live in God's world. How to, how to live in God's will, Right? And then we fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus kind of sums up the Ten Commandments by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he says that, that kind of sums up the first four, about loving the Lord your God, not having other gods before our God, keeping the Sabbath day holy, and not having idols, right? And so part of what we do when we talk about living God's will is do you love the Lord with all you have and all that you are in every single situation, we talked last week that prayer is about a relationship with God. Do you feel like you have a relationship? Or is your relationship with God transactional? Do you only go to God when you need something? Or do you have a day in and day out close relationship as if God is close and right there next to you? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? That's what God's will is for you. Now, I think it's easy for us to say, yes, of course I do, right? The Bible tells me you do it. Of course I love the Lord your God, Lord my God, like that, right? But where is God in your priority list? Is it your first priority? Is it the first thing you do when you get up? Is it the last thing you do when you go to sleep? Is God on your mind and, and is God's will and desires for your life in your mind in every single act you take? Or are you mainly living the life that you want to live with a little bit of God sprinkled in? Or maybe you give most of your life to God, but you have that little part of your life, you know, that part you don't like to talk about, and that part of your life you're not willing to give to God. Then Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. You know, that's what the second half of the Ten Commandments are all about. You know, you can't love your neighbor if you're lying to your neighbor. You can't love your neighbor if you're cheating your neighbor. You can't love your neighbor if you're, if you're coveting what they have. You can't love your wife, who is also your neighbor, if you're having an affair. We're supposed to love our neighbor. So when we think about God's will and how it's prescriptive for our life and how we're supposed to live a life worthy of the calling, is this the standard you're living your life? You know, Jesus simplifies a lot of things and said that we are called to have a kingdom heart, that we're supposed to think about everything as if Christ, if, and make the decision as if Christ is making the decision. So every single moment, every interaction, every time that you would talk to someone, are you thinking, is this what Christ would do? Is this what Jesus would do? Like those old bracelets, right? What would Jesus do? Everybody remember those? When you are driving in traffic, right? Right? Are you treating those driving near you the way you want to be treated? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. At the grocery store, do you treat those who maybe get in the line right before you in the express checkout line and they have 30 items and you only have three? 
Do you treat them the way that Christ would have you treat them? Your neighbors who live next to you, do you get to know them? Do you love them? Do you even know their names and their faces? Do you treat them the way that Christ would have you treating? So part of the will for God's life is day in and day out, right? We know it. And I'd be willing to bet, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, that nine times out of ten in a situation, you know what God wants you to do. You know the decision God wants you to make. It's just whether or not we listen to it. And the more we listen to God, and the more we listen to God in the small things, the more God talks to us in the big things. But the more we ignore God, the further and further away we get from God. But what's awesome, if we all start living this way, as the the followers of Christ, and we say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my life, then all of a sudden it starts getting repeated around us, and earth starts to look a little bit more like heaven, because everywhere we go, we're making it better. And every place you have influence, is it better because you're there? This commercial that we're about to watch caught my eye a few years ago, and I just love it so much because I think it kind of shows exactly what we're talking about as we live this prescriptive will, this daily, day in and day out for our life. Go ahead. Slowly turn to a scream, searching for an answer where the question is unseen. People choose to do the right thing. There's an insurance company that does that too. Liberty Mutual Insurance. Responsibility. What's your policy? Hope Liberty Mutual gives us a little check for that commercial for them. It's a great commercial. Uh, but you see one act of kindness and love led to another act of kindness and love. And if we start doing this, we start living this way, as God has designed us in community with one another, one act of kindness will stack on another. I think of the Ephesians verse we read a few weeks ago, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, that talks about how salvation is a free gift, but we are created to do good works. What is God's will for your life? To do good works to all that you meet. So what about having a plan? Does God have a plan for our lives? And I think the easy answer is yes. But it's not this like stone tablet that if you make one decision or one mistake, then it's over, right? I'll give you an example. I went to college at Tulane University, and first of all, that's a choice, right? I could have, what if God's choice was me to go to UT or A&M or another college, and I chose the wrong college? Is my whole life path wrong because of that? Of course not. But when I went to to Tulane, uh, I was going to be an engineer, and I checked the wrong box, Instead of the engineering college, I checked the Paul Tulane College, which was a liberal arts college. And me being the kind of, eh, person that I am, I was like, ah, that's close enough, right? <laughs> engineering is very different than liberal arts. But did I change the course of, of God's life? Was it God's will for me to go and be a part of the engineering college? Or was it God's will for me to be a part of the liberal arts college? I can't tell you that. But I think... When we, we, we look at these examples, and we all have those moments in life, both big and small, of decisions that we've made, right? Where we can think and say, 
was this God or was this not God, right? And, and sometimes, I will say, I've made lots of decisions in my life that were not God's will for life, for my life, and I'm sure you did too. But that does not eliminate all the future that God has for you. That does not eliminate the plan because God is greater. God is more amazing and God is more wonderful than anything we can imagine. I often liken it to uh, if we're painting a canvas, right? And God, it's a kind of a paint by numbers and God has told us which numbers to paint because this is God's will for our life. And then all of a sudden we just take a bucket of paint and we just chunk it at it, right? And then God, because God is this masterwork artist, takes the mess that we make and creates something new and beautiful and wonderful. There's no decision that we can make. There's no path that we can take that God can't direct something into a new way, that God can't guide it and God can't make good come from it. Because that's what God does. God is this masterwork. So I think what God does is God kind of gives us an outline of how our life is to go. And all the time we're messing it up. All the time we're making choices. All the time we're sinning and we're going not the way that God wants us to go. And then God in this incredible, wonderful, miraculous, beyond our understanding, somehow makes a wonderful new plan and weaves us back into the fabric of it. It's beyond our imagination. It's beyond our understanding. I can't tell you exactly how it works. But I do believe it's collaborative. And I think if, if you're a parent, or if you have parents, you can understand how, how they think about your life. If you have a parent, or if you're a parent, you understand this with your kids. Because if you make every single choice, right? If you make all their choices, you make all their decisions, then they are not going to be ready for this world. But rather what we do as parents, and what we do in the church, is that we try to teach our children guidelines. We try to teach them about God. We try to teach them how to make decisions. We try to teach them how to treat other people. And we give them more and more control over their life and hope that they start to make good decisions. And you know what? We're also there when they fail. And we're there to help them pick up the pieces because we're their parents. God is our parent. Of course, God has things that God wants for our life. But sometimes we go off in other directions. And we just have to be ready to look to God to make us a new plan. And I think in that we have to accept the nudges of the Holy Spirit because God, the more that we allow our life to be controlled by God, the more God is going to nudge us one way or another. And I'll give you a great example. I, I used to volunteer a lot at, at Glen Lake Camp, which is our Methodist camp in Glen Rose. And I was on my way, I think, to the dining hall because, you know, you know me, I'm always driven by food. And there was this, this young man and he was sitting at a bench, and, and I kind of walked by and said, hey, how are you doing? And, and, you know, that very much, I don't really want to talk to you kind of way, but just like I, I wanted to greet him. And he said, okay, and just the way he said it, I just stopped down. I was like, and I felt God saying, you need to sit down and talk to this young man. And that young man had all sorts of questions about God, all sorts of questions about faith, all sorts of questions about did he even believe in God? And he had been praying to God for answers. And in that moment, God sent me into his life. I think that's how God works often. So we have to be ready to experience those nudges. So we talked about how God's will is prescriptive, how it's collaborative, that God invites us to be part of the decision making. So how do we discern it for our life? Well, first of all, we have to stop ignoring God. And I'm, I'm not just going to talk to you guys. I'm really talking from my own experience. So, Because I'm sure all of y'all are perfect saints, right? 
most times I know what God wants me to do in a given situation, right? I know how God wants to act. And I do or do not do it, but it's on my personal choice. So if you want to know what God's will for your life is, then you need to start listening to God in the little things. Because I tell you, God is more of a flashlight. You know, we want God to just show us the big picture, right? We want God to show us where we're going to be in 40 years. But I tell you, if God did that, we'd probably turn around and run the other way, right? Because it might be terrifying. What God does is God shows us the next step on the path. God rarely tells you everything that your future has to hold. But God will show you that next step. And when you're faithful and you take one step, then God's going to show you the next step. And maybe God will start to show you a little bit more. But we have to be faithful. We have to be faithful. We have to be faithful in our prayer. We have to be faithful in our relationships with other Christians who often can hear God's voice for us. And we have to follow what God's will is for our life. Do it in the small things, and you'll hear it in the big things. I did want to talk to you, to you this morning for those who may be in a really difficult place right now. For whatever reason, you're in a, a valley, you're in a lot of pain, you're in a lot of suffering, and it's really difficult in those moments to hear God's will for your life. I just want to tell you, first of all, that God is with you, that God is on your side, that you're not alone, and that God will show you the way through it. And that what God will do is he will take whatever moment, whatever suffering, whatever evil that you are experiencing, and somehow, some way, God will make good come from it. Because evil is never the last word. Darkness is never the last word. God is the last word. I don't remember, it was about 10 years ago, maybe a little longer than that, my brother was in a horrific car wreck, and he almost died. I've never experienced anything like it, and I hope I never experience anything again. It's just the reality of life. People we love get hurt. People we love get sick. We get sick. Things happen in our life. People we trust betray us. We lose a job. Bad things are going to happen because we're human, and suffering is going to come. Now, God did not cause my brother to be in that accident. But I will tell you that that moment and experiencing that darkness and that pain and that suffering has made me a better person. It's made me better to relate to people who are in pain. It's made me more able to be compassionate for those who suffer. So God will bring good from whatever you're experiencing. I know it's hard to hear in this moment, but God is with you. God is on your side and God is walking with you. So God's will for our life is prescriptive. He guides us. He shows us in very small ways what we're supposed to do, and we know most of the time what we're supposed to do. And then as we think about God's plan for our life, it's collaborative. God invites us to be a part of it. God will show us the way. God has a plan, but don't worry if we mess it up. Seek forgiveness, and God will find a new way. And if you're going through a difficult time, trust that God is with you. The church is with you. We are with you. And that God will make good come from any situation.